0: Before we start that, I want you guys to help me out. Name some of the ministries that we have active right now in Compass Church. What type of ministries do we have? Helps, ministry of helps, yes. We have ministry to children, yes. Yeah, we have um, international mission type ministry. We have Ministry to youth. We have ministry outreach to the community. We have lots of, of ministries here, right? We have a prayer ministry. That's our uh, another ministry. Um, we have our praise and worship team. That's a ministry, right? We have all these ministries. We do a lot of ministry around here, don't we? Amen. And. We do these type of ministries to bless people and to bring people closer to God, right? And they are all really good things. I mean, the things that that you guys do to produce ministry in this church are good things. But did you notice that they're all ministries to serve others? What, What we all just named is is types of ministries that serve other people, right? And it is necessary to have that kind of ministry. And it's scriptural to have that kind of ministry. Jesus did those things, right? We're following after Him when we do those things. And then there's the type of ministry that is scriptural to receive unto ourselves. Like, Pastor Allen and I need to go back to Ramah sometimes to receive some ministry. When you guys come on a Sunday morning, you sit in this um, in the sanctuary, you hear Pastor Allen preach, you're receiving ministry, right? You're receiving unto ourselves, and we need that. That's how we grow, right? That's a type of ministry. But can you think of another area of ministry that we haven't named? There's one in particular I want to talk about tonight. There's another form of ministry... And it is the ministry unto God. There is a ministry unto the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. As a matter of fact, our ministry unto the Lord should be our very first ministry. If we're going to minister to others, we're not going to be too good at it if we're not good at ministering unto the Lord. Ministry to the Lord is first should be first. And so the question always comes up why? Why, why do we need to minister to the Lord? Doesn't he doesn't need anything from us? He, he we there's nothing we can give him that he doesn't already have or he does you know he doesn't need from us. Matter of fact, Acts 17:25 I wrote down says and human hands can't serve his needs for he has need, he has no needs. God doesn't need anything. So what are are we ministering to Him anyway? Uh, There's nothing I've got. All He really needs from me is, you know, me to believe in Him and and my obedience. That's really all He needs, right? He just needs me to be obedient to Him. Is that it? Well, let's look at um, Adam and Eve. Think about them in the garden for a minute. We know that in some form... And, and I really believe that it's beyond our comprehension. I think Adam and Eve had a, such a deeper revelation of the presence of God that they were able to interact with God in a way that we don't even comprehend. But in the garden, in some form, whatever that form was, God visited with them. He, he was in the garden present with them. It says in Genesis, they, they knew the sound of Him. They heard the sound of God in the garden. And so, he, he walked there, He talked to them, He visited with them, and they recognized His voice, they recognized His presence, and God created them for that purpose. That interaction of love. Everybody say love. Love is the big deal right here. God created them for that purpose because He is love, right? And He may not necessarily need something from us, but He desires our fellowship. He desires our worship. And He desires our love. Amen? Because He is love. God is love. If the very nature of Him is love then love must be the fuel that drives him to do things for us. Right? Love. I'm going to tell you a real pet peeve of mine. Do y'all want to hear a pet peeve of mine? Because sometimes in, in my pet peeves is when there's a little nugget of learning for somebody. Right? So, I have a little pet peeve. And I'm not picking up... Kaylee, I'm not picking on you. But here it comes. My pet peeve... Because I just know Kaylee says this sometimes and I go, stop that. A pet peeve of mine is for someone to say, Lord, pour Your love out on us. Pour Yourself out on us today. Pour out Your love upon us today. Pour out Your Spirit upon us today. Lord, we're here to receive. Pour Yourself out to us. Open the floodgate of Your mercy upon us today. Right? Right? And listen, God is love. And He gave us His Son as a love offering. And the fact is is that He has already poured out Himself upon us. When He gave us Jesus, He poured out His love upon you. And for us to say... Lord, pour Yourself out upon us, is almost like saying that God has turned the faucet off for a minute. He's turned the love faucet off, and we got to ask Him to turn the faucet back on. Is He ever withholding His love from us? Do we need to ask Him to pour Himself out upon us? He's poured out all He's going to pour out, which is everything. Now we can, you know, and the, the point is, when we say pour yourself out, we mean to, you know, let the anointing flow, and that's different. Yes, we in, invoke the anointing to flow in a service, but to say to someone just just let let the just ask God to 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 uh, pour Himself out on you with His love, He already did. And matter of fact, He did something else even bigger than that in Acts. He poured out the Holy Spirit. Not only did He pour out Jesus upon us, which, you know, was enough pouring out to wash away every sin, to remove every sin and sickness and everything else that comes with salvation. But then later, He poured out the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 2, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on who? All people. That's me. That's you, right? So the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. To, to ask God to pour some more Holy Spirit out, he don't, he, there's no more to pour out. He poured it all out. Amen? Hallelujah. So it's up to us, to draw upon what He's already provided. Amen? Amen. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. And I just want you guys to turn there, because we're going to reference this verse a couple of times tonight. But I'm going to read it real quick. Acts 13, verse 2. And this is the church of Antioch, and they have gathered together a bunch of priests, a bunch of the preachers have gotten together, and this is what it says that they did. It says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Set me, Barnabas and Saul for the work separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul. And so this verse outright says, As they ministered to the Lord. That's what we're talking about tonight. Ministry unto the Lord. And so the question tonight is, What is ministering unto Him? What does that look like? I'm going to get a little definition for you from another Scripture. Because we let Scripture reference Scripture. Amen? And so, if you want to turn over to Psalms 34. We're going to look at that real quick. Psalm 34, starting in verse 1. And I'm just going to preface by saying that this Psalm, David wrote this Psalm at probably his one of his lowest moments in his life. I mean, it was not going very well for David right here in Psalm 34. He was alone. He had had to separate himself from his very best friend, Jonathan. He had to say goodbye to him and run off because, uh, you know, he was, Saul was chasing after him and he had assassins trying to kill him. And so he had to go by himself into hiding. He had to go into a cave. And basically hide out for his life. Because they are trying to kill him. And you would think in this moment that he would write a psalm that said, God save me from my enemy. Right? And he wrote a lot of those. David did. But in this moment, this is what he wrote. These are his lowest moment words. And... His words in this psalm show us how to minister to the Lord. So, Psalm 34, starting in verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad or rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Let's stop right there. I want to I give you some key words that you can underline in that verse. And your translation may use a, a little bit different word, but we're going to try to hit them all, Okay. In verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord. That word bless, you can underline that in your Bible, even. It's, a, it's okay to write in your Bible, by the way. Write in your Bible. It, it says the word bless, it means to extol, it means to kneel down, to use words of honor and expressions of thanks and love. And so sometimes we say, Bless you, Lord. Or we even sing songs, we bless the name, the name of Jesus. We sing songs that say, bless the name of Jesus, or bless you Lord. But actually, to bless the Lord is more than that. It's to say words of thanksgiving unto Him. It's to call out to Him how magnificent He is. Right? It's more than just, Lord I bless you today. Right? It's saying specific things about His his majesty, His greatness, right? That's what most of the Psalms are. Blessings unto God. Amen? And then it says, His praise shall continually be on my mouth. That word praise means exaltations or songs of worship. Songs of worship. And then it goes on in verse 2. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. That word boast means to speak with confidence. It actually means to brag. When we are ministering to the Lord, we're bragging on him to himself. We're telling him how awesome he is. We're we're exalting him almost in a bragging kind of way. That's my daddy. That's my daddy. You're my daddy. That means to boast unto him. And then it says uh, to be glad or rejoice. That word rejoice means to have joy. Be full of joy. Joyfulness. Rejoicing is joy. Right? And then it goes on in verse 3. It says the word magnify and the word exalt in, ver- in, in verse 3. Magnify and exalt. It means to glorify. Magnify means to make something bigger. So when we magnify the Lord, we are making Him bigger than our problem. Bigger than our life. Bigger really than anything. We're making Him bigger. It means to enlarge. To make great. Or to increase something. That's to magnify and exalt. And then verse 4 says, "...I sought the Lord." Sought or to seek, that word means to seek, to pay full attention. I sought the Lord means I paid Him with absolute full attention. It means to cry out earnestly. To seek Him means to cry out earnestly. To inquire of Him and it also means to require of Him. We could talk about that all night, but... That's what, to seek the Lord, to, I sought the Lord, I paid Him utmost attention, and I cried out to him, to him. And then the word look, in verse 5, means to gaze upon, or to observe. To be observant of. And so I kind of wrote this little summary right here, I'm going to read it. To minister to the Lord means to get in His presence... Lay aside every personal, worldly want and need and focus on Him alone. To pay full and complete attention to Him and cry out to Him in boldness, looking only to Him for life and love. With confident words of exaltation, give Him glory and honor, making Him bigger and more important than any circumstance. To bring to attention every mighty and glorious aspect that He is and deed that He has performed. Bragging on Him as your Father, Protector, Provider, and everything. And then I ended it with to worship Him. To worship Him. Amen? That doesn't really sound like any of those ministries to others or ministry to self, does it? It's a very different type ministry when we minister unto the Lord. And so I want to give you some examples. And we're going to turn to a lot of Scripture tonight. Y'all can either be fast turners or you can write them down and look them up later. And I'm going to read them all out. But um, we're just going to start with a few examples. In the Old Testament, God gave one whole tribe of Israel... The job of ministering to Him. He actually assigned it to them. Right? In Deuteronomy 10 verse 8. Deuteronomy 10 8. It says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord. To stand before the Lord. To minister to Him. And to bless in His name to this day. Y'all hear that? That was a whole tribe of Levi that was their assignment minister to the Lord. Deuteronomy 18:5 says for the Lord for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all of your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord him and his sons for all time. And then 1st Chronicles 23:13 First Chronicles 23:13 says Aaron was set apart to dedicate the most holy things that he and his sons forever should make offerings before the Lord and minister to him and pronounce blessings in his name forever. Do you see that do you see that ministry that we just read about in that Psalm 34 active in the assignment of the tribe of Levi? It was, it was their purpose to minister unto the Lord. And all those key words that we just read, they're, they're put into practice by the tribe of Levi. And then, after that time, then the temple was built and the Ark of the Covenant was built. And the Ark was given that special room in the temple, remember? And the whole existence of the temple was to be a place where God could meet His people and the people were to go there and minister unto God. The whole existence of the temple, the temple's purpose was a meeting place for people to go and minister to God. That's kind of opposite of what we do in church services today. Today we have a church building and people come here to get ministered to. Right? Did we got it kind of backwards? Because the temple was built. For the people. To come and minister to the Lord. Right? Let's look what the Levites. Were supposed to do. Here was their here, here was their job um, description. In 1 Chronicles 16.4. It says. And then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to, here's what they did, to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. That was what they told them to do. And then Second Chronicles 29, 11, it says to stand before Him and serve Him and minister before Him and burn incense. Right? You see any service to anybody else there? They're doing those things unto the Lord. And then Second Chronicles 31 2, To offer burnt offering and fellowship offering. To minister. To give thanks. And to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. All of those are ways that they were assigned to minister unto the Lord. And again the, the complete focus. The whole purpose. Was to minister to God alone have anything to do with us getting a good sermon or filling up our coffee or any of those things. It was a ministry unto the Lord. Amen? And now, if you go on down to Joel, the book of Joel, Joel speaks of the priest ministering like this in Joel chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Joel 1, 13 and 14. Check this out. It says... Dress yourselves in burlap. And he's talking to the priests. The ones that are ministering to the Lord. Joel is giving them some direction. He says, dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. And then he says, wail, you who serve the altar. Weeping and wailing. Weeping and wailing. It says, come and spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God. For there's no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. There was a a famine going on. Announce a time of fasting and call the people together for a solemn meeting. Let's have corporate prayer. And bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of your God. So we can cry out to Him there. There's a famine going on. And... The prophet Joel says, "Get to the temple and minister to the Lord, and how we're going to do it this time is we're going to weep and wail and cry out to him." And then on down in Joel 2:17, it says, "Let the priest, Joel 2:17, let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar and let them pray, spare your people, Lord." Sometimes it is necessary to cry out to God in this way. It is a way to minister unto Him. It's a time of weeping and tears of intercession and supplication. Sometimes you just got to get before the Lord and just shut everything out. And there, there is a presence there that... Man, I've seen Miss Lynette, right? Enter into that place of just absolute weeping before the Lord in intercession for lost people, for a nation. Right? There there's a there's a place and a purpose for weeping before him. For it says wail. Weeping and wailing. Amen? And so, all of those things that we have talked about so far, they are from a Hebrew word that is sharath. Sharath, which means to attend to, to serve, to wait on, almost like a waiter waiting on you at a restaurant. And so I want to look at one other Hebrew word that has a little bit different meaning. In uh, Psalm 134, 1, it says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. That word minister right there. And then again in Psalm 135, verse 2, Praise the Lord, uh, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord. You minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. And so that word minister is a different Hebrew, Hebrew word. Ahmad, and it means to stand, to abide, continue, remain, tarry, or stay up. And there's times when our ministry to the Lord, it just means that we have to abide with Him, to tarry with Him, to stay up in His presence. That's what that word means, to stay up in His presence. Do you remember when... Um, Jesus asked the disciples to stay awake and pray. While he went to pray, he said, This was right before his crucifixion. He it was, I think, Peter, James, and John. He said, Now you guys sit here and stay awake and pray. Stay awake. And and I'll just read it. Matthew 26, 40. It says Matthew 26, 40 says, later. He came back to His three disciples, and He found them all sound asleep. And He awakened Peter and said, Could you not stay awake with Me for even one hour? Now these guys missed a wonderful opportunity to minister to the Lord Jesus. Right there in front of them. And they missed this opportunity to minister unto Him just by staying awake and remaining by His side. They missed it. Because that word stay awake in that verse is that Hebrew word, "amad," It means to stay, stay up. Look at um, Luke 10. you I want to turn there. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Luke ten thirty-eight. It says, As Jesus... And the disciples continued on their journey. They came to a village where there was a woman. Welcomed Jesus into her home. And her name was Martha. And she had a sister named Mary. And Mary sat down attentively before the master. Absorbing every revelation that he shared. Now y'all know this story of Mary and Martha, Right? They went over to Martha's house. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming over to the house. We got to get ready. Martha starts cleaning. She starts cooking. She's scrubbing the toilet. Did they have a toilet? She's cleaning up. She's doing all of the dutiful things that need to be done. And Mary goes in there and sits down at Jesus' feet... And just sits there and listens. It says, Mary sat down attentively before the master. Right? And then Martha got mad. And Jesus, tell her to get up and help me. She's wasting time. Sitting there doing nothing. Right? And Jesus, now it's interesting, Jesus didn't rebuke Martha. But He did correct her. He corrected her. He said that Mary has chosen the better. Mary's chosen the better. That word sat down attentively is the same mod that means to minister unto the Lord. Her sitting there at His feet paying attention to Him was ministry unto Him. Right? And Jesus said that that was more important than all the dutiful things that Martha was doing. Right? That was ministering unto Him. I think the church today has got really good at the Martha stuff. We've gotten really good at doing the Martha stuff. Do, do, do. Serve, serve, serve. And those things are important. Please don't misunderstand me. We have to have people that will serve. We have to have people that will do stuff, or we'd just be coming up here and there would be no organization at all. We need those things. But before we do those things, we need to be attentive to the ministry unto God. If we're so caught up with all the doing stuff, always serving, always doing, we almost become human doings instead of human beings. Right? Right? I don't want to be a human doing. I want to be a human being. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to minister unto Him. We can't get so consumed. we got to learn to give God more of our heart before we give Him our duty. The duty is important. The serving is important. But we've got to give Him our heart before we give Him our duty. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden again. They didn't have any work to do for God, right? Like we talk about today. There was no church. So Adam and Eve didn't go out and do evangelism. There was no need. There was no witnessing, right? They didn't need to get up on Sunday morning and get there at 920 to serve. I mean, there was no need. They didn't have to pay their tithe because there was no need. They didn't have to pray for the sick and lay hands on people. They didn't have to cast out demons, right? They didn't go on mission trips. There was no need for an a evangelistic crusade, right? They didn't have to believe God for clothes and believe for a car and believe for a house. God provided everything he, they needed, Right? They didn't need to intercede for anyone. They didn't need to bind and loose anything. and They didn't need to do any of that. There was no deliverance. No prayer services. None of that. All of these things that we're so busy doing today, Adam and Eve didn't have to do those things. That was not necessary then. They're necessary today because why? We live in a broken, fallen world. We don't live in the Garden of Eden as it was in the creation. We have things that we have to contend with. We have uh, the fight of faith that we have to fight. I didn't say fight demons, I said a fight of faith. But that takes effort. And there's things we have to believe God for. And there's lost people in this world. And so we have to do things to reach them that Adam and Eve didn't have to do, but what I'm trying to show you, there's, I'm giving you a picture of the way God created it to look. He didn't initially create it for all this stuff that we have to do. He initially created Adam and Eve for that personal inter- interaction with Him. Without all the dutiful stuff that we have to do. He, he just desired that love interaction, Right? And so, if he had that on his mind at creation, and that was his intent and purpose for mankind, has he changed his mind? Is he content with us just to go about our duties? Has he, has he changed his plan from the beginning just because we live in a fallen world? Well, you don't have to... Don't don't minister to me right now. I don't need that. We'll work on that when you get to heaven. No. He has not changed his mind. He still desires that ministry unto him. From us. Right? And so how do we do it? How do you minister to the Lord? How do we go about doing that? If that's that's our number one ministry, we need to know how to do it, right? Because before we... Before you guys come back on Sunday morning, I want you to minister to the Lord so that we can come in here filled up with Him, right? In His presence, and that anointing will be on us so that we can serve other people. So, how do we do it? How do you minister to the Lord? Well, the first thing, John chapter 4, verse 23. John 4:23 and 24, it says, "From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore Him in the realm of the spirit and in truth." That's the passion. So we can get caught up into the, where do we worship? Well, you know, i got to get to church so I can go to worship service. Right? And what this verse is saying is that that ministry unto Him happens in our heart. Anywhere. Anywhere. You take your heart with you everywhere you go, right? I'm talking about your inner man. You didn't leave it at church and you go somewhere else. Your body walk off and leave it. No, that, that heart... that. Yourself is with you all the time. And so that ministry unto him can happen anywhere. You don't have to wait till you get to church. You don't have to wait for Kaylee to start playing beautiful music. In your car, sing as loud as you can. Right? It's the intention of your heart that matters. Right? Another thing that you can do. So make sure that you're worshiping from your heart, number one. That you are ministering to Him from the heart. Not, not just waiting until the moment strikes. Amen? Now another thing you can do is get your actual physical body involved. Now that sounds wrong because we're supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. And it is our spirit that is ministering unto Him but can you detach yourself from your physical body? No. And we're told to make our body line up with what the Spirit says, right? And so that's why, you know, let me just, let me get on this. I think it's really impossible to, to worship God without getting physically involved in the action. Right? either lifting your hands of course we're going to open our mouth but we we lift our hands we even I kind of move back and forth like this during worship you know maybe you kneel maybe you lay down flat I, your body's going to do something in the midst of ministering to the lord and a lot of times some weeping happens And that's scriptural. Now, we ain't going to get up here and cry every single time we have a worship service, but when there's a moment that that's necessary, it's scriptural. Weeping and wailing before the Lord. Right? That's a physical response. And so, I don't think the Bible says, you must raise your hands. You must kneel down or else it's not ministry to me. But it is a natural response in the physical to that relationship that's in the spirit. Amen? So when your heart or your spirit is involved, your natural or your physical self reacts and responds and follows that. Amen? In Genesis 24, 26, I'll give you all a couple of examples. It says, Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Nehemiah 8, 6 And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 95, "O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Psalm 134, 1 and 2. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Amen. Matthew 28, along the way. Matthew 28, 9. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice! And they were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet in adoring worship. Isn't that good? Luke 7 verse 37. It says, In the neighborhood there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster And filled it with the most expensive perfume. Went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader. And knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping. She covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. And she kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. And over and over she kissed Jesus' feet. And then opened the flask and anointed his feet with the costly perfume as an act of worship. Wow. That is that is ultimate ministry unto the Lord. How many of us have been right there so incredibly connected to that moment of ministry to him that we we don't care who's looking. We don't care how much it cost. We don't care what the religious people say. I'm going to get at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to weep. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to adore Him. Right? That's what He desires. He desires that. Y'all get the idea, right? Another thing that we can do is we can... Minister unto Him with singing and instruments. And you guys have heard this, but Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? And then a few other verses talk about Psalm 68. Talks about the singers went before. The players on instruments followed. And among them were the maidens playing the trembles. Singing and, and instruments is a way to minister unto the Lord. What we do up here on Sunday morning is supposed to be ministering to the Lord. If it turns into ministering to the people, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Ministry to the Lord. And another thing that you can do, y'all aren't going to like this, except Lord, she's going to like this. We can dance. We can dance as ministry to the Lord. Psalm 30, verse 11 you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. And you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And Psalm 149, 3. Let them praise His name with the dance. And let them sing praises to Him with the trim- timbrel and harp. Right? I think we're, we've lost the, the, the joy of dancing in church. I mean, now we don't want to look like a bunch of kooks. And we don't want it to get out of hand. But why should we not? The Bible says to dance. David danced naked before the Lord. We don't want to do that now, Kenan. But the dancing part, we've lost it. We don't do enough of it anymore. Come on. One final thing you can do is to stand or to bow. Ministry unto the Lord. Bowing before Him is ministry to Him. Standing before Him. Psalm 135, verse 1 and 2. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the court of the house of our God. Ezekiel forty four fifteen. But the priests, the Levites, who kept charge of the sanctuary, they shall come near me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me, says the Lord God. He said right there, stand before me. That's a ministry unto Him. And Psalm 95, verse 5 and 6. He is the owner of every ocean, the engineer and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel Before this God creator. Come and bow down before the mighty God. Our majestic maker. Amen. Now there's times when we're supposed to minister unto the Lord. Just because. Everybody say just because. Just because. Just because because he's God. We should take time to minister unto him. For no reason. Just because. Only Because we love Him. We love You, God. We're just going to, I'm just going to minister unto You. But there's also times that we come together for a purpose. Like corporate prayer. We come together for a purpose. And our ministering unto Him in those moments brings an action or a reaction from Him. Things happen when you minister to the Lord. Things happen when you minister to Him with no reason except just to love Him. Just ministering to Him out of pure want to will bring reaction from Him. But when we come together corporately for prayer, corporate prayer, or for some purpose, and we, we we minister unto Him before we ever ask for anything, we spend that time ministering to Him... Man, we can move some mountains. He will move mountains. He responds to that kind of ministry unto Him, right? Look one more time at Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. And I'll start back in verse 1. It says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and, Lucius, and Sir, Lucius of Cyrene and uh, some other names. And Saul. And then verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Revelation and direction came. As they ministered, it says, "As they ministered to the Lord." Y'all remember when Paul and Silas was they were put into prison. They beat them and they ripped off their clothes and put them into the inner cell of the prison. Y'all remember that in Acts, in Acts chapter uh, chapter sixteen, verse twenty five. It says, "About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying." And singing hymns to God. What were they doing? Ministering to Him. Praying and singing hymns unto God. Ministering to Him. Ministering to God. In prison. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That means they were loud. They were singing loudly. And praising God. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all of the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Right? Supernatural response comes from ministering to the Lord. It said, they were singing and praising God, they were ministering to God, And in that moment, uh, do you think it was a coincidence that an earthquake came right the moment that they were singing and praising? An earthquake. Not just any earthquake. An earthquake so strong that it broke off the prison doors and it broke the chains off of all the prisoners. Other folks benefited from their ministering to the Lord. Look at me. When you're in this service on Sunday morning, somebody next to you might not know this. And when you minister to the Lord in a service, they're going to benefit from you being obedient. Why are you standing there not doing what the Bible says to do? I'm not fussing at y'all. I know y'all do. But... Why do we get in a service and we think. I don't know what they might be looking at me. I mean I want to dance and all. But you know. I want to kneel down you know. I, I know the Lord says to minister unto him by kneeling. Or raising my hands. or, I mean I know it says that and all. But I mean they they might be looking at me. Right? Why do people do that? Because. Someone beside you might benefit from you being obedient. These, The prison doors flew open and it says everyone's chains came loose. Because just two guys were obedient to minister to the Lord. Right? Right? When we minister to the Lord, I wrote down a few things that might happen. This is it. We minister to God. Here's what can happen. Number one, and the best of all, is the glory of the Lord will fall. The glory will fall. Right? Our prayers will be answered when we minister to Him. Direction will be given. Revelation knowledge comes. Wars are won. Y'all remember the, the army that put the singers and the band in the front? Wars are won when we minister unto God. Circumstances are changed. Power is released. I'm going to talk about that one a little bit more. Miracles happen and supernatural flow begins. Power, miracles, and supernatural happenings. Right? Did you know Brother Hagen used to talk about a story that there was a there was some kind of child or a baby that was having convulsions and they called everybody to come and pray and the ministers gathered and, and prayed. They laid hands. They anointed with oil. They did all the things they were supposed to do. You know, supposed to do. The things that, that a minister does when he enters into the hospital room of someone that... They did all those things. And this, this baby just kept having convulsions. Seizures. And the baby was seizing they had done all they were gonna, you know, that they were supposed to do. They prayed, they laid hands on, they did all that, and either Brother Hagen or whoever he was telling this story about said, "That's it. Let's just, uh, let's just worship the Lord." And when they started worshiping the Lord, ministering unto the Lord, they stopped doing all the stuff. And they just started praising the name of God. The baby stopped all that seizures and everything. And so they were like, oh look, it's over. And so they stopped singing and they got to talking among themselves. baby started having another seizure. They said, oh no, no, no. And all they did was start praising and worshiping the name of the Lord again. And the baby sat right down and, and they couldn't find anything wrong with the baby. Power... Is released when we minister to the Lord. See a lot of times we you know we, we spend too much time doing all the steps when all God really wants is us to minister to Him, you know, just just be in His presence. Just minister unto Him. Just stop all the stop all the commotion. Stop all the program. You know? And just spend some time with me. You don't even really have to do anything. The, the word says just stand. Just sit at his feet and wipe the tears off of his feet with your hair. Right? Bow before him. Oh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this tonight. I don't know if we have time. Y'all want to do it? So, Kaylee, you and Jessica, come here. In the book of Revelation, it talks about, let me just turn to it. This is going to be fun. book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 4, yeah. Talks about the throne room. God's throne room. Y'all ever been in there? Ever been in the throne room of heaven? Apparently John. Was taken into the throne room of heaven. And he got to see it. And he wrote the book of Revelation. And he said this is what it looked like. He said um. There was a throne. And uh. Keenan and, and uh, Jordan, y'all come here. There was these four creatures that had eyes all over their body. One was like a lion, and they had six wings. They, they each, each of the four creatures had six wings. And they would fly or whatever, and they would circle around the, the throne... With their, and they had eyes all over their body or whatever. And it said they would fly around and circle around the throne and they would say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the living creatures would give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever. So that was their job. So, y'all be the creatures. You got wings. And they would fly around. Now now wait, don't do it yet. And then around the outer edge of the, the throne were these 24 elders. You guys are 12 each. 24 elders. And they had crowns. I don't know if you can put a crown on your head, but whatever. And when the creatures would come around and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty was and is, is, come, whatever. They would fly around. And every time they passed by the 24 elders, the 24 elders would just fall flat on their face and cast their crown at the throne. They'd fall down and just throw their crown off and it was, there was so much power. And so this happened over and over and over and over and over for eternity. This is what they did. So y'all go ahead and you're going to play it out. So fly all the way around. Fly all the way around. Fly around. So the creatures would fly around. Here's the elders. And they're, they're in the throne room of heaven. And they're crying, holy, holy, holy. And when they, ca- they pass by the elders and said, holy, holy, holy. The elders would just fall flat. <laughs> and then they, they would fly. And then they would get up. The elders would get up, get their crown, put the crown back on. Whoo! Hallelujah! And here, come the, here they come again, holy, holy, holy. Oh God, oh <laughs> and then they would get up, and the elders would say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will they were created. And then they'd fly by again. This happened for eternity. This is going on... Y'all can go sit down. That was amazing, by the way. You two creatures, that was real good. What was their job, though? The, The 24 elders, the creatures, their whole being was to minister unto God in the throne room. I mean... I think if God came and told me and Pastor Allen for the rest of your ministry I want you to just sing holy 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 to me. He, if he said, "Michelle, I want you to sing holy 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 to me and just fly around in your house and every time you pass Pastor Allen, he's going to fall down." And we did that from now till we died. I mean, I feel like we would get bored. <laughs> do they not get bored? I mean, the elders are up here. Don't they go, God, oh, here they come again. I mean, do they? But they don't. They don't get bored. They don't get. It is fresh and new. Every time they circle the throne and come back, the elders are like, man, let's do it, we're doing it again. They cannot stop. They can't get enough of the glory of God. And they continually cry out His glory, His honor, His majesty, His greatness, His wonder, His creativeness. They can't. There are more words to honor Him than we have in our language. Right? And it never stops. And He wants us to do that. And we can't spend our whole life flying around like idiots, you know, but that's what He wants from us. And we spend so much time doing other stuff, we don't have time to cry out to Him and to fall down before Him. Oh, well, that looks stupid. I wouldn't dare do that in a real service. I mean, that's just, that's a joke. That's what people think, right? That's what God wants from us. Anyway, I will stop talking. That's where I want us to get. I want us to go there. I want us to start getting that frame of mind. We come in this building. Yes, we have to serve. Yes, we gotta get the coffee ready. Keenan gotta cook breakfast. I get it, and we gotta we gotta get everybody together. You gotta go in the kids' room, gotta color some sheets, and we got all of that is important. Oh we're not coloring, we're creating crafts. But If we're not ministering to Him, none of what we're doing on Sunday morning matters. It doesn't matter. It's a show. It's a joke.